0: listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network.
1: Welcome back to the Oz Network for day number one, two, three, four, five, six, five, let's call it, of Oscars week and a half, um, as we're covering all the Best Picture nominees for the 91st Academy Awards, leading up to the Academy Awards, hopefully a preview episode to fit in there, and uh, we have gone through racial tension and politics. And um now we're talking Queen. more racial tension and politics and Queen. And now we're talking <laughs> racial tension politics and Little Richard. Uh, <laughs> it's so consistent this year. We're talking about Green Book. And if you thought the Academy Award nominated film from the director of Anchorman and Step Brothers was shocking, we bring you the Academy Award nominated drama. From the director of Dumb and Dumber, Dumb and Dumber 2, and Stuck on You, the conjoined twins film with Matt Damon. Two of those three films are good. (laughs) Uh, This is going to be a fun one. Um, My name is Colin, and hey, I'm blacker than you are.
0: (laughs) You totally should have ended last week with that quote. That would have fit so well within uh, (laughs) yesterday's episode to today's. Uh, My name is Ben, and you're a real prick, you know that? Forget Um, about it. I can't do that accent.
1: (laughs) Don't even try. You're going to come out (laughs) sounding like a (laughs) poo. And they'll make a Netflix documentary
0: about why I'm wrong. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, Green Book, we discussed this a little bit uh, at the end of the last episode. Um, You were saying you really enjoyed it, that Mallory really enjoyed it. Uh, And you also said you didn't really know much going into this. This is one of the ones that I probably knew the most going into this movie. And I, I remember hearing about this and then seeing the trailers and then, uh, I don't know why it is. It's not like I had more of an interest in this movie than I did others. Uh, but every time I saw a story on this or, you know, publicity, maybe it's just because I'm a big fan of Viggo Mortensen and Mahershali, uh, I just followed the the whole rise and now it seems like fall of Green Book. Uh, <laughs> as this seems to have gone from being the very clear-cut, easy, best-picture favorite maybe around early December to suddenly being, oh, there's no chance this thing can win. And we get that every single year, I feel, with um, you know a movie that people just turn on. I think one of the best examples of that ever would be American Beauty where it comes out and it's heralded as being like the masterpiece of the decade and probably for years after that it was considered like one of the greatest movies of all time and now you flash forward 20 years and people are like, that movie's so overrated. Uh green book is just it's such a 180 where now all of a sudden this seems like you know controversy and people just saying it's such an average movie it it seemed to go from you know the number one choice to no shot at winning at least that's kind of what i'm seeing
0: yeah and it's, it's interesting because i guess kind of going into this again saying not knowing a whole lot out of it and then not even really knowing that there was much criticism behind it and then There was an article that I read, basically a movie review from an Australian website, which all of a sudden kind of just went so much into, like, why Green Book is wrong. And just through all the issues that then I found out just surround this film. um, It it bewilders me. Um, It it bewilders me as much as it was when I found out this was written by a freaking Farrelly brother. Um, (laughs) When it popped up on my screen, saying like directed by... I'm like, that can't be one of the Farrellys, surely. Uh (laughs) And I was like, holy fuck, it is! (laughs) (laughs) Um, I really look forward to Adam Sandler getting nominated for something next year. Like, it just just seems to be... Oh, can you imagine? Oh, look, I actually would honestly be a huge fan of Adam Sandler (laughs) getting an Oscar That would make my year. Like, it would be so good. Um, But, like, okay, maybe I'm not... Well, maybe we're not the correct people to be able to correctly comment on the issues around this film, given the day and age we live in. Like, on that, though, I think you mentioned this, I think, yesterday in regards to kind of things being so political. Like, can we not have a film that explores some deep issues and still be entertaining with a happy ending at the end? Like, it's, it's yeah. we, I think we discussed this, didn't we, with some of the superhero films. Like, we don't need a deep, dark, you know, psychological analysis of how a superhero, like, sometimes we just want some fun. And... Mm -hmm. This movie covers some pretty deep, dark topics, which it goes into some very deep, dark territory. And could we have explored that more? Yes, we could have. Bohemian Rhapsody, could we have explored? Yes, we could have. But at the end of the day, we've come out of it with a certain type of film and we don't always have to have that absolutely, you know, down to the bones, nitty gritty of what it really was like. And... I feel that's where it annoys me slightly that it gets as much criticism as it's getting because it's just, this film really, really entertained me. And it also, I think Mm -hmm. you do come out of this again, just going, like I was saying yesterday, like we lived in a day and age where that sort of stuff happened. We live in a day and age where some of this stuff still happens in certain parts of the world and it's terrible, but it's still also, you can have happy endings out of this too. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, yeah. It's it's maybe the one out of all the criticism I'm reading about, even as much as I love Bohemian Rhapsody, I still probably get a little bit more annoyed at the criticism with this film's getting when I find it so entertaining and such a good movie.
1: Like, I, I did say I understand some of the criticisms of this movie because uh, I did have a few issues with it myself, but just none of it had to do with, well, they should have made this darker, they should have showed this more, because I, I mentioned this yesterday. One of the things that people keep missing about this movie is that this isn't going to show you the worst of racism in the South because this is about a guy who has been – true story, first of all, about a famous musician who was invited down there to play, to play for white crowds. And they held him in a certain regard and a certain uh, level of respect but wouldn't extend you know some courtesies to him. Like there's uh, some scenes in this movie which I feel like, yeah, maybe that's a little bit – to you know cornball and hollywood but then other scenes like the probably the first hint you really get at it where he's going performing this concert and they're treating him like gold which by the way he never would have booked a tour down there if there Mm. wasn't an audience willing to pay good money to see him. this isn't just about oh he went down there and you know he he played some concerts people were paying him good money and then these business owners had customers willing to pay good money to sit and listen to him play the piano with his band so there were people who respected him. But what happens is he gets down there and you have this this great scene where he's done this and they're they're treating him like gold. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, can I use the bathroom? It's like, oh, OK, the outhouse is out there because only white people use the bathrooms in here. And so much of it had to do with, well, this is the culture and these are rules we have. We respect you, but just we're not going to break the rules for you. Yeah. And people who are expecting us to see the worst of what happened in the South, first of all, if this is a true story – you don't have to see that because it probably didn't happen to this guy. or, or even I'm not even going to say probably. I can't speculate. Maybe it didn't happen to this guy. And this is over an eight-week period. And in some ways, one of my complaints about this movie is that for the second half of the movie, as they are in the south, every single place they go has to have some type of scene exploring, well, this person's being prejudiced for this. This person's being prejudiced for this. This person being prejudiced for this. And I'm sure that they went somewhere and filled up at some gas station Where somebody's like, thank you for your time, sir. Here's your change. Mm. (laughs) And just moved on. Um, So, yeah, I don't really get it at all. I mean, we're dealing with a true story of a real guy who was respected enough that, that people extended a welcome to him. This movie is tame in terms of the levels of prejudice we're seeing. Because what happened in this story logically would have been tame to this guy. A lot tamer than it would have been for other people.
0: And I think as somebody watching this film as a white Australian guy, you know, I think based on my knowledge and, you know, things that I know about this period in in America and, you know, the things that I've witnessed, you know, through movies and reading history and things like that, you know, you're aware of obviously what it was like from that perspective, from just an outside perspective, obviously not aware of what it was like by living through that period as, you know, a black person. But I think... Like, the thing to me that really kind of, you know, hit home in the fact, like, a message for myself and realising just sort of, like, the whole notion of the green book, of this thing actually being a a thing that existed. You know, Mm -hmm. that there was a book, basically, for African-American travellers of safe places to go to. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. terrible that this was the thing that actually existed. And just even the the things that sort of our, our main character, like the Doctor's going through, where... And this is what I really appreciated around Mahesh Ali and just kind of everything that brings to it is that he is kind of in torn, isn't he? How, you know, obviously he's in this period where, you know, African-Americans are being treated poorly in this certain areas of the country. And then, but he then can't get accepted by, he guess you know, African Americans themselves because he's kind of mm-hmm. playing for the white man, you know, with that type yeah. of music. So, and that's what like, there's just that level that I really, really appreciated on this film. Whereas, say like yesterday, we we're talking about Black Klansmen and kind of you know, it's understandable that if you've got an African-American trying to infiltrate the KKK, that's not going to go down well. <laughs> Whereas yeah. kind of like here, it's just just the level of of sympathy that I felt for the Don Shirley character was just it's crazy. And then you even add the element of, and I can't really say without spoiling it, kind of, I guess, around the the whole YMCA scene and things like that that were implied mm-hmm. as well, that there's a whole element there. Like, this guy, you really do feel for at the end of this film. And... It's just, it was just done in such a way. And like the, the relationship that he has with the Vigo Mortensen character with Tony Lip, like even he's kind of got his thing. Like some of the criticism I'm reading about how they were claiming this is a white savior movie. And like, oh, come like, on. Like, like no, it's i the opposite. Not see this. I, I, exactly. To me, it's the exact opposite
1: of I'm, a white savior say- complex. Yeah. Like, this is not a movie where it's about oh, well, the white man, you know, uh, saves the day. It's not a movie about... Uh, and I read even Don Shirley's own family, and this is one of the other things that annoyed me, and I, I alluded to this last week about the criticism of, well, Bohemian Rhapsody got these facts wrong, and Vice got these facts wrong, and uh, the Green Book got these facts wrong, and nobody says, well, Black Klansman, the entire second half of the movie never happened, you know? But with this, his family is like, oh, well, uh, this could have been, you know, a great story about the accomplishments of this 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 man... And, like, instead it ends up being about how the the white man gets redemption in the end. And I don't even see that. I feel like neither of these characters really change who they are by the end. Mm. Ultimately, all it comes – it's not even like, you know – Okay, the way we should set this up, the way that Viggo Mortensen's character is – first of all, I love that Viggo is playing his character because as much as – I'm a huge Viggo Mortensen fan, but he is so good at playing kind of dry and – you know, charismatic while being very quiet. Like, Do you ever see either a history of violence or Eastern Promises? Honestly,
0: probably the only thing I've ever seen Viggo Mortensen in was the 10 minutes of Lord of the Rings I didn't fall asleep <laughs> in.
1: <laughs> you should see... like, You want a really crazy movie, and I'll put this up there as anything. I'll find a month to have an excuse to do a history of violence, because history of violence and Eastern Promises are both made by one of Canada's greatest directors, David Cronenberg. Um, but... Viggo Mortensen is playing this in a history of violence, this family man, the exact basically the exact opposite of what we get this character here. You know, he's a family man, but he's the nicest guy in the world. And then, you know, the question is, well, is he this really bad guy that they're saying he is? And then you have this movie Eastern Promises where he's basically a leg breaker for the Russian mafia. So we have a similar character here where he's just the, the hired gun, the tough guy, but he's so dumb at times and so classless but yet charming i mean we're introduced to him in a way and some of these scenes go a little bit too over the top where it's like he doesn't want to wash a dish so he throws dirty glasses into the garbage or a guy challenges him to a hot dog eating contest so he eats 26 when he could have gotten away with eating 20 you know um he he, he just he doesn't have any etiquette and then we have the polar opposite character mahersha ali who's, like, sophisticated and intelligent and respectful. And Viggo Mortensen will punch a person in the face just because he feels like it. Um, this isn't a movie about either of those guys changing. They come back the exact same person. The only thing that changes is they become uh, – uh, let's just say it. They've just become friends. Mm. This is like a road movie about two guys who become friends. And you're using the idea of – you know this racial tension in the South is just a backdrop to the story. So, uh, one of the things that annoys me, just getting back to my original point about Marsha Lee's, or not Marsha Lee's, now Marsha Lee's family are the ones <laughs> critical of this movie. <laughs> uh, but Don Shirley's family saying like, "Oh, this is what this should have been about." They're not doing a biopic of Don Shirley the musician. They're doing a movie that's about an eight-week period, one contained story. This isn't Bohemian Rhapsody where you can say, "Well, they left out this, this, and this, and how come they didn't talk about, you know, his early years as a teenager?" It's about an eight-week period. It's it's one story about two guys becoming friends. So why go to such great lengths to say, "Well, they didn't do this, they didn't do this"? I mean, how much can you screw up in an eight-week story?
0: You know, actually, I'll, I'll just backtrack quickly. Uh, I have seen Viggo Mortensen in something else. He was in Daylight, that great Sylvester Stallone yes! movie. Uh, I forgot about that one. Um, it's funny, actually, when I was trying to sell this movie to Mallory as well, um, she's like, oh, who's in it? And I'm like, oh, you know, Viggo Mort- Oh, who do I? I know that name. I'm like, oh, he was the the one in Lord of the Rings. that wasn't Orlando Bloom and Elijah Wood. Um, <laughs> wasn't. Uh, I was like, Oh, yeah, he was really hot, like, you know, and kind of like straight away. And then you
1: Did- look at him in this movie. Holy crap, he's aged. <laughs> well, I just want to say, though, I mean, if you look at his research, Age, he's 61 years old now. Really? Or he's going on, he's 60. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, he has age, but 60 years old when he made this movie, I'm going to say this is still the most handsome man I've ever seen. He's well, 60 years old.
0: Look at his picture on his Wikipedia page. He looks about 80 in that picture, but. <laughs> <laughs> But just quickly, like you mentioned about how this is like a sort of like a road trip friends movie. There's something about the Farrelly brothers and their the road trip movie that they do obviously mm-hmm. like, like Dumb and Dumber obviously, Dumb and Dumber yeah. Two. Uh, you know, me myself and Irene kind of you could argue is a bit of one. Um, and just we talk about redemption for certain people over the years. Is this the ultimate redemption for a Farrelly brother? Because like, can we just look yeah. at what they've done recently? Dumb and Dumber Two, which okay had its moments, but it was a fairly rubbish movie movie 43 which is often regarded i mean that had some funny moments in it but it was so ridiculously dumb i mean for fuck's sake Hugh Jackman has testicles on his chin in that movie
1: um <laughs> have you seen movie 43 i saw parts of it i couldn't bring myself to finish the movie that's all you need to
0: know um the three stooges um the heartbreak kid i mean the Farrellys haven't had a good movie I mean, I enjoyed Fever Pitch. It was called A Perfect Catch in Australia. Uh, I enjoyed Stuck on You. I enjoyed Shallow Howl. Um, You know, pretty much everything they did up until about the Heartbreak Kid was fairly decent. But this is a redale... Like, again, it still shocks me that this movie is done by a guy who was involved in having a scene where Ben Stiller jerks off and then Cameron Diaz puts jizz in her hair. Like, this is Hmm. how far one of the Farrelly's has come.
1: Um, like it is shocking, although I will say, oh, I don't, I was going to say, I will say that there is maybe one of the negatives about this movie is that it feels too much like a nineties movie, but I think that's part of the appeal, not the appeal of this, because this is where I think a lot of people are getting lost. You've said over and over again, it was just an entertaining movie. Um, is it incredibly deep? No. Is it the most original thing you've ever seen? No. And I feel like you could only pull it off with that sort of 90s feel because the the two movies that I felt like this was maybe a little too similar to. If I'm going to give another one of my criticisms, last year for Lady Bird, I said, you know, Lady Bird's a great movie. There is nothing wrong with the movie. It's it's very good, but it felt like a million other movies I had seen before. Mm. And I felt like this was a little similar. It's like this was Driving Miss Daisy Meets As Good As It Gets. And I almost wonder if if, if this movie had come out, let's say in 1998, right off of as good as it gets, this is a lock for a Best Picture winner. Uh, Maybe it's been 20 years and the feel of this movie and the tone of it and just the type of story doesn't resonate as much with modern audiences who want something a little bit, you know, grittier. Um, But this would be right at place and at home in the 90s. I think. Yeah, that's kind of the Farrelly Brothers touch. I mean, let's be honest, if you look at their filmography, even their humor is sort of stuck in the 90s. They have not evolved from dumb and dumber or shallow or there's something about mary i mean hall pass that was uh, uh uh one of the better ones they've made in the last you know 15 years and that still to me felt like a movie stuck in the 90s
0: well uh, let's be honest the Farrelly's aren't quite as bad as the wachowski's who just did the matrix and then just went to sleep oh. for the next 20 years didn't they um, yeah <laughs> cloud atlas i can like but i can see why Shut people up. hate it as well um But yeah, like to me also, I'm not like, well, I didn't think I was that familiar with Mahershala Ali because I've never seen Moonlight. But then I realized that when you look him up and it's like, oh, you know, most prominently, you know, got really well known for House of Cards. And it took me a while. I'm like, he was in House of Cards. And then it actually, it finally clicked who he was in House of Cards. And I'm like, oh, he was Remy. Do Do you remember him in House of Cards?
1: yeah no I mean, I mean that's where I first noticed him and when i I think it was what season two when he came in or was he in the first season
0: oh I feel like he appeared like maybe in an episode in the first season um and then but his he, character
1: evolved in, like, two yeah, and like yeah he was just
0: a random character and then he became basically like um a lot more yeah he was in that season one but you know he he came back and yeah he became more prominent basically mm-hmm. um so I mean, but, he was
1: Along with Stamper, he was probably my favorite thing on House of Cards. I kind of always lean more towards the supporting characters on that show. Uh, but then after that, he got Luke Cage, where he played the main villain. And he was playing a character... Uh, I, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, it, it, it's like the godfather you know, of the, the Marvel Netflix universe. He was just the personification of evil, but 90% of the time, he came across... As this respectable business, he came across like Don Shirley, you know, owning a jazz club, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and, and Luke Cage, he just like, I loved him on House of Cards. And then he blew my mind on Luke Cage. Uh, So when he was in Moonlight, I think half the reason I saw that movie was just because of him in it. And I was kind of disappointed that he's only in the first 20 minutes of Moonlight. And that's why. I almost wish that we could have waited for a bigger role for him to get it because we talked about this yesterday that I wonder if his chances of winning supporting actor have been hurt now because he won it only two years ago for a much smaller, less significant role than this.
0: Well, didn't a well, similar thing happened with uh, Christoph Waltz, didn't it? Like, didn't he win both years within, like, three years or something of each other, and he basically well, played you, the same you, character in Django Unchained as he did in Glorious Bastards?
1: Yeah, I, and I think that was... All the more strange because it was the same director making them. <laughs> um, but like with this one, it's completely different roles. I mean, you could make the argument. I think that Viggo Mortensen has more screen time in this movie only because his character is introduced in the first 15 minutes before Shali is. Otherwise, this entire movie is just those two guys. And Viggo Mortensen obviously has more dialogue because his character never shuts up, whereas Mahershali is kind of reserved. But I would say you could have split these guys in a best actor category, which I mean, was odd.
0: Yeah, I I, I thought yeah. I knew Mahash was nominated, but I I thought he was nominated in best actor, and then I realised it was best supporting mm-hmm. actor. Like that, that was odd to me. I want to point out that I am actually a big fan of um uh Linda Card. How do you say her last name? Yes! Cardellini. Yes. Because yes! as an ER fan, she was Nurse Sam. Uh for me, growing up watching ER and then like I've seen her I think she was in like those daddy's home movies you know, I've just seen her in random things here and there, but just as an ER fanboy to me to see her in a role like this. I, I like her. I I think, she- I think oh, she's actually quite attractive so too.
1: Oh, so glad to hear you say that. Um I I any time she pops up in anything, I get so excited. Um but i saw like the tv show freaks and geeks that she became famous mm-hmm. for uh mm-hmm. like years ago that show didn't last very long and then yeah er after that i was sort of in and out of er at that point uh the, the real thing people need to see is the, the tv show bloodline that she made with kyle chandler who was on the friday night lights tv show and then uh, the guy who played the main villain um he's australian uh what's his why is his name escaping me um yeah huge <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> exactly no uh ben Mendelssohn, who played the main villain in rogue one the star wars story uh, yep, yep, uh, right. the three of them playing siblings on this tv show bloodline which is one of, it's a slow burn show but such a twisted show and again you talk about how maher Lee, like linda carlini blew my mind on bloodline and she's not even the best one on bloodline but yeah when, it's a small role but i mean i'm happy for her to appear in anything
0: yeah, and like I, I, I mean, looking at her filmography, I didn't actually realize she's as prominently in as many things. Like, I, again, I thought she was just like, yeah, then, oh, yeah, she is random in, you know, a few Will Ferrell movies or whatever. She's, and then, because even Mallory said, like, oh, she's in things I've seen. Like, I know who she is, but I just exact, can't pinpoint she,
1: it. She's that, uh I think I've mentioned this before. There's a great series of documentaries called He's That Guy Who Is In That Thing or She's That Girl Who Is In That Thing. Uh, which is all about those actors that's like, I recognize them from somewhere. I can't place it. I could never tell you what their name is, but I know I know them from somewhere. Mm. And that's sort of what she fits into. Like She's been in everything, and yet you're going to struggle to think about what it was.
0: She was in Brokeback Mountain. She was in Avengers Age of Ultron. What? Who's Who's the
1: She's (laughs) She's Hawkeye's wife.
0: Uh, Of course she is. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because we all care (laughs) about (laughs) Hawkeye.
1: that famous farm scene from Age of Ultron oh,
0: the iconic you know i can't wait for the spin-off movie after the success of Captain Marvel uh where we finally get the Hawkeye wife spin-off uh <laughs> continuing on everything with those
1: yes oh okay i wasn't sure if we lost the connection there if so that was oh, just a very abrupt end to a <laughs> uh, I,
0: that's that's an exact recreation of
1: our audience's every halfway point of every episode like <laughs> um Uh, I feel like there was something else I wanted to talk about this movie and now I'm struggling to think about. I mean just quickly touch on it. we're talking about the controversies Uh, I hate that we're living in this age where people are looking for anything to complain and you know the real uh, Tony Lipp's son who wrote this movie about his father you know he's one of the screenwriters in this movie he's one of the producers. There was an old tweet he had um and I don't know how old it was where it was it, something about um Muslims being happy when 9/11 happened and you know now this has become a big controversy like he should not be associated with this movie. well first of all it's his story <laughs> he's the reason this exists because he knew I mean he obviously would have met Don Shirley many times because these guys were real friends until the day they died Uh, But, you know, is it something you can necessarily 100% agree with? But if you actually read his original tweet, he's saying, you know, I have seen there were some Muslims who were happy when this happened. And it almost is because he was actually involving Donald Trump in the tweet or agreeing with something Donald Trump said. I feel like this is like, let's just jump down his throat because he's agreeing with Donald Trump. And he's not saying all Muslims are good. He said, I know that there were some. And this has now become a thing like, well, this shouldn't get best picture because of it. Can we just let a movie be a movie? Is it a dumb thing? He might have said, just like uh, Peter Fairley, you know, came out and said, well, oh, yeah, when we were doing this something about Mary. I would try to get a reaction out of somebody in the crowd. So I'd flash my genitals to them. And now this has become the whole hashtag Me Too thing where it's like, you know, he should never direct again. Just let a movie be – he was making movies like Dumb and Dumber and Kingpin. If we had a scene where Ben Stiller came out and flashed his genitals, which I believe he did – (laughs) <laughs> or if we heard that Jim Carrey and Jeff Jeff Daniels flashed their generals to each other in the middle of the making of that movie, we'd be like, ha, ha, "That totally is the way I pictured the making of this movie." But one of the Farrelly brothers did it. Oh no, it's a disgrace! Now that he's making a serious movie, like uh, it's just annoying. I just want movies to be judged on whether they're good movies or not. I'd like to be in society where we can just leave a society and not
0: have to always pinpoint I, something I, like this because it is frustrating.
1: I one hundred percent thought you were going to say i would just want to live in a society we can flash our genitals to people. <laughs> well
0: I you haven't been to new zealand colin uh, that's how it works <laughs> down here <laughs> well Brew, what's that you duck oh show it again um no it's yeah it is frustrating and i think uh, we i wish we could say it's not gonna happen it's good next year there'll be something else and the year after it will be something else and ah, uh, it's I don't even know where to begin with it because it's kind of like, you know, you're talking about American beauty before. Like, let's go back 20 years. Kevin Spacey's not winning that Oscar. Um, Christopher Plummer is. Um, Like, it's just... I don't know. I I, I think we are going to struggle to find any one of these best pictures where there's not something political around it. Um, I'm struggling to think with The Favourite, but we'll get to struggling with that movie soon. Um, I don't know. Like... I just just there's such things around this which just you read reviews and uh I don't know. But yeah, I don't think that at the end of the day this probably can't win best picture now because of this, which again it's just the day and age oh. we live in, isn't it? Which is just it's just terrible because yeah. we should be looking at these films it- based on what they are, films, and on their quality and you know, their chances of winning not based on political reasons around it why it shouldn't win.
1: Yeah, and that's why even though I'm no fan of Bohemian Rhapsody, the idea that it should be disqualified or shouldn't have been nominated for Best Picture because Brian Singer has had these allegations against him, uh, which by the way Brian Singer didn't even finish making the entire movie. So are you going to you know th- they fired him or parted ways with him at some point? I mean you can spin that any way you want, but. Th- there's there's much bigger reasons that should have never been not not that should not been nominated because it's not a good movie. Oh, grow up! If if that were to have lost Best Picture, and in the end you had every Academy Award winner came out saying, "I thought it was the best movie, but these allegations thing, I couldn't reward it." I would have been like, "No, then this is no longer the Best Picture category," you know. And I'm really hoping I, I think that there are you know some things with Green Book where I can understand why it shouldn't win Best Picture, like I said, it does feel like a movie I've seen done many times before. Uh, Is it the best version? I think as good as it gets is probably the best version of this type of story, of like the polar opposite people kind of meeting, being forced to be in this confined space, going on road trips, and then coming back and you know loving each other. Uh, it, It wraps everything up in a neat little package at the end. Some people don't like that, but Again, it's sort of the beginning that you can't argue with what the real history was. If these guys came back and there were true stories that they didn't speak to each other for 25 years, then I'd understand that. But these are guys who were friends until the day they died. So it's going to have a bit of a happy ending. And what I liked about the ending is it shows how simple this movie is. And this not a movie that's trying to be anything other than just this very subtle friendship story. Not spoiling anything, but the end of the movie essentially just comes down to – one guy does a favor for another guy, you know, and then it's like thank you very much. It's 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 a simple movie. And more than anything, I don't even I don't even know if ten years from now I'm gonna look back on this and be like, that should have been nominated for best picture. But I feel like right now, coming off of these heavy movies where we're we're feeling like Black Klansman was the lightest of the bunch, <laughs> <laughs> um, that I'm just enjoying right now watching something that's a simple movie. Half of which is just about one guy getting another guy to try Kentucky Fried Chicken, or <laughs> the other guy, you know, trying to get him to uh, stop spelling words wrong in his letters to his wife. It's just, it's it's, it's a nice movie. Just yeah. let it be a nice movie, people. God damn it. Be funny! Oh, no, wait, that joke hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Stay tuned
0: to the Oz Network. Um... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. Like it I, I agree with everything you're saying with it. And, um, I mean, it's, we're going to get to the point in a couple of years now where, you know, Robin Wright will be up for a, a, an Academy Award yet. Oh no, you worked in a TV show with Kevin Spacey. No, you can't be, you can't win. You can't win. <laughs> like it's just, we're literally getting to that point now. where If you're loosely associated with someone who is a bad person, you can't, you know, do it. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. just. just it's a good movie! Just enjoy it! I am it's a good movie!
1: Just let it be! Let it be, nice. <laughs> I will say, though, we've gone through a lot of these movies, and, you know, we talk about Rotten Tomatoes and everything. That's critics. I think audiences, ultimately, is what will make it up. Um, Black Klansman, which is getting a lot of acclaim, had a 7.5 on IMDb. Green Book has an 8.3 hmm. and is currently sitting at number 147 on their all-time list. Wow. Very few of the... Best Picture nominees this year even have a rating that even close to that high. So I feel like this movie has at least hit with audiences. And part of that could be like uh, the the complaints about, oh, it's too simple or whatever, uh, or it's not, you know, dark enough, it's not touching on this enough, that it's just an enjoyable movie. And that's kind of what I'm saying. Like 10 years from now, am I going to look back on this as a brilliant movie? Maybe not, but I think I'll look back on it as being an enjoyable movie to watch. And that's really all that matters, especially when we're coming off of all these heavy movies.
0: And I think, yeah, like, between yesterday with Black Klansman and this one, I feel that, yeah, we can easily rewatch these films. And I think, like, yeah, you know, I look at films maybe differently, well, than most people. But I think kind of, at the end of the day, a lot of where I will enjoy a movie is that I can appreciate a movie with dark themes and that make you think and all that sort of stuff. But sometimes, you know, you just want to watch a movie which you say to yourself, like, yeah, that was enjoyable. I could easily, on a Saturday night, what am I going to watch? Oh, yeah, I'll whack Green Book on, you know, and just kind of just enjoy it for what it is a film. And at the end of the day, films are there for entertainment. Yeah, films can educate you. Films can, you know, put a meaning through your head as well. But I also think entertainment is probably the grand scheme of what a movie is trying to give you, isn't it? (laughs) Unless it's a different type of movie, and sometimes we won't touch that. Anyway
1: um this hasn't been nominated for the most oscars but i i I feel like the categories is nominated they're all the major ones we're going through film editing every single time and believe it or not film editing at least up until recently uh it had like the highest percentage of whatever one editing would go on to win best picture in the end Hmm. uh and it was this absurd percentage uh Outside of that, though, it's nominated for Best Original Screenplay, which it, it's weird when you have a true story like this and it's not based on a book. Like, Black Klansman, we didn't even mention, you know, was based on a book from the real guy. This one's in a, technically an original screenplay, although based on the true story and written by, I guess, the son of, based, based, essentially based this on... Everything that his father told him, everything he observed, and all these interviews with the the two real guys. So it, I, I just find a weird original screenplay for something that is based on a true story. Uh, and then, of course, as we said, uh, Best Picture and then Actor for Mortensen and Supporting Actor for Ali. Um, I, I feel like it is between Ali and Adam Driver. I would lean more towards Adam Driver personally just because – the same way I said this movie feels like a movie I've seen done many times before, I feel like both Ali and Mortensen's performances feel like performances I've seen before, whereas Adam Driver really was doing something very different and not what I expected. And I, I appreciate that a little bit more. Uh, but I don't see this getting Best Picture. There's <sighs> The Best Actor is really a crapshoot this year, but Mortensen's probably on the lower end of the odds-on favorite And then, uh, yeah, Best Supporting Actors, the one that it's easily most likely to win.
0: I'm looking here at the actor, he's second lowest right now, only above Willem Dafoe. If Glenn Close wins this year, Willem Dafoe is the new Glenn Close, isn't he? Like He's been nominated about four or five times (laughs) and never won it, so come on, Willem! You can do it! Um, But, yeah, when I first saw the Best Actor, like straight away I was kind of like, oh, I'd be happy with any one of them winning, to be honest, Um, because I like all the actors and... I, I mean, from the performances I've seen, I can appreciate all of the performances. Um, so, yeah. But look, I, right now, I mean, out of my biased opinion of Bohemian Rhapsody, but take Bohemian Rhapsody out of this. This is my favourite film. And I've, I'll say right now, on air, I've watched all of them um, at the time of recording this. And I will spoil it. Out of the, all of these movies, taking Bohemian Rhapsody out of it, this is my favourite out of all the Best Picture nominees this year. So... Um, yeah, I I would be very happy if this won it. I don't think it will. Um, I'm with you. I don't think it will win it. But, yeah, I'm I i I'm very hopeful that Ali will take out the Oscars. I think he, he's very good in this film, and he deserves to be a two-time Academy Award winner. I think that would be a good thing on his resume. Just give one to Willem Dafoe and the other to Kevin Bacon.
1: <laughs> Just, it doesn't matter what they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Just you can win another one next year because you probably will get nominated <laughs> again. So
1: you know what? When when they do Kevin Bacon or Willem Dafoe hosting the Academy Awards, they'll win an <laughs> Emmy, and that'll be close enough.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, Kevin Bacon, I think, has won an Emmy and a Golden Globe. He just needs that Oscar. He's never been nominated. He was on like some list I watched recently of like top ten actors who have never been nominated for an Oscar, and Kevin Bacon mm-hmm. was on that list. I'm like, how is he not being nominated? Him and Jim Carrey, just give him one nomination, <laughs> all right? It's one nomination.
1: Uh, well, let's, let's specify. I mean, if that one nomination is (laughs) for the wrong movie, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, fun with Dick and Jane. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Um, perhaps, uh, what was it? Number 43 or whatever that crap shit.
1: Oh yeah. There's his, there's his (laughs) Oscar winner. (laughs) No, Mr. Popper's penguins. Come on. Oh, that's gotta be it. (laughs) Um. yeah, so I don't think we have much else to talk about this, unless you want to talk about racism anymore. Oh uh, fuck, always. I do want to talk about it. <laughs> I'm all racismed out. Uh, but we have. I, I I think we had decided on one movie, but I'm just going to say we're getting close to the end here, and the next one we watch, it's going to come down to which one Jamie wants to watch next, because she hasn't watched any of these with me. Are we buying uh, this and,
0: movie first or renting it? Are we doing that? Oh first, yeah, we should or? do that.
1: <laughs> that might be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buy this movie. Uh, and sure. I have a feeling you're going to, too. There we yes, go. Absolutely. We got it out of the way. And so, of the, hold on. Just before we even move on here, of the – this is the fifth, right? Fifth. Yes, it's the fifth. Five Best Picture nominees, what are the buy, rent, and bin tallies?
0: Oh, it's uh... – I think, so, if I'm scrolling through very really quickly, I know I've bought Green Book, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Black Klansman. I rented Black Panther and rented Vice. I think you binned Bohemian Rhapsody and Vice. You rented Black Panther and bought, bought both this. Uh, this one and Black Klansman. So, so similar
1: Basically, like, it's split three ways right now. Mm. And that's not good for more than halfway through the Best Picture nominees.
0: Well, last year, from memory, we only binned Phantom Thread. I think we did. We rent um, uh, Call Me By My Name or whatever it was, and I think we bought the rest. So I'm saying now, again, having watched them all, last year was a better year. (laughs) Yeah, much better. Believe me, two of the next three movies, I'm going to struggle to talk about.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'll say this. I know that my bottom three last year, uh were call me by my name ladybird and then phantom thread um i i would put call me by your name maybe in th- behind green book and black Klansman, uh <laughs> and ladybird same thing oh we rented uh, ladybird
0: sorry to correct myself i thought we bought that but we both rented that
1: but i would put both ladybird and I, you know all goes first this. i'll put phantom thread above vice and bohemian rhapsody at least Ooh. and maybe i had a black panther as far as at least on a technical level and daniel day lewis's performance so yeah it's it's really not a good year it's no. it's disappointing me but you're the only one who knows because you've seen them all oh. uh <laughs> oh, that i just, I just good. want to
0: say you think we've had some bad ones so we
1: haven't had bad ones colin well uh. well, well <laughs> we 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 have different opinions on bad ones because I thought the bad one was your number 1 uh, but, but still that's- but, like, <laughs> but like you've got
0: you like believe me you'll be coming out of this next couple of days going I will watch Bohemian Rhapsody 100 times more than I will ever watch The Favorite and probably Roma as well so
1: well I, I'm excited about Roma just because uh, Alfonso uh, Corone I mean, the last movie was Gravity. And let's be honest, the trailers for Roma and Gravity, it might as well be a sequel to it. They, they look so similar. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still optimistic because I think he's a good director. Um, the favorite, Jamie wanted to see it. It's got at least one or th- maybe two actresses in it that I like. And then it's got Emma Stone. No. Uh, <laughs> you sound like Mallory. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh I don't know which one of those two are worth. I think we're saving Star is born for last. Whether it's Roma tomorrow or the favorite, it's gonna come down to what Jamie wants to watch. Because if Jamie feels like she wants to watch the favorite, we're gonna see the favorite tomorrow. If she doesn't want to watch the favorite, I'm watching Roma myself.
0: I'm just gonna say this right now. I tried. I tried my heart out to watch all of the favourite. I tried. I stretched. I did everything in my power, literally looking at the timestamp every five minutes. Oh, God, I've only been watching this for five minutes. It feels like I've been watching it for an hour. I'm just going to admit this right now and air. I could not get through it. I <laughs> gave up. An hour into it. <laughs> the Mal- Phantom Thread. No, but, like, I could watch the Phantom Thread easily over The Favourite, like, any day of the week. <laughs> like, ma- even Mallory, like, the whole time of her saying, like, oh, do we have to watch this? This is so boring. I'm like, no, come on. Like, I don't like Like, I hate giving up on things. I sat through the Emoji Movie. I sat through Dirty Dancing. I stomached my way through those pieces of crap. I cannot watch this movie all right, like it just got to a point there's lesbian stuff in this movie. I should be excited there's boobs in this movie. I should be excited, but I just can't do it i'm sorry Roma, I was struggling, but i I stuck through Roma Roma's better than the favorite, but I still struggled oh. to get through Roma.
1: Um Well so we know that the favorite's gonna be a bin. <laughs> oh like
0: like I this is the first time ever in anything on the Oz network that I will come into it admitting that I didn't watch all of it. And like this and I there's nothing I've lied about in the past to quickly point that. Like, oh yeah, uh the sixth day, yeah, oh this bit where this happened. Never seen it actually. Um like I've watched everything that we've ever got into, even if I did not like it, I, I just couldn't do it. I could not do it. I
1: couldn't <laughs> I'm intrigued to do that in that one now.
0: <laughs> what's I hope funny you make it. I... I hope you make it. I read the Wikipedia page, what happened at the end, and I'm like, oh, I'm not missing much.
1: <laughs> I don't know if my luck is so great too, because I, I had again, I don't want to come across like I, I hated Ladybird, but I just I thought Ladybird was okay. Uh, the best picture nominees last year, the ones that Jamie wanted to watch with me were Ladybird and Phantom Thread. <laughs> so now she's like, I wanna watch the favorite. I'm like, All right, <laughs> I think I'm in it's... for a treat.
0: Yeah, again I will gladly do a full recap of the Phantom Thread. Like absolute <laughs> n- minute by minute. I will do Phantom Thread in a minute. Every episode is just what? A minute of their phantom thread. Oh this one he's sewing something. Oh this one he's sewing something.
1: <laughs> you know what? I think because Ben didn't finish the favorite, he needs to watch Crazy Sexy Cool the TLC story with me <laughs> for our final recap episode. <laughs> <laughs> that there's our preview episode. Where would Crazy, Sexy, Cool, the TLC story, place among this year's best picture nominees?
0: Oh, number two, uh, just ahead of Green Book. Surprise me this
1: year. That might not be unrealistic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think this year, like you could probably take Movie Forty Three and put it in the
1: the category. Best <laughs> picture. We're about to get do- You know what? We had bad movie month which we've already recorded, we have. and we're like, oh, we got we got the Oscar month. It's like polar opposites. No, we're basically doing the same thing at this point. <laughs> I, I'm
0: telling you now, I would watch the Emoji Movie again over watching <laughs> Favourite. <laughs> watch Cat in a Hat again. I would watch The Book of Henry uh, before I would watch The Favourite again. The Favourite uh, is now the, the, the grand scheme of bottom. You'll hear me complain about the Emoji Movie in a month about how this is the worst thing we've ever covered. The, no, The Favourite. Right now, the worst thing we will ever cover on this show.
1: <laughs> i'm really excited i'm gonna push through the favor tomorrow but we'll, you'll find out tomorrow when you listen in uh make sure to like us on facebook follow us on twitter Follow Ben on Twitter. If you like something that he has written, you may one day become center of a controversy and have your name removed from a movie directed by Peter Farrelly. So just be warned. Uh, Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever else. Uh, Come back tomorrow for either Roma or the worst movie ever covered on the Oz Network, The Favourite. My name is Colin and eyes on the road, Ben. Eyes on the road. And My name is Ben and
0: Forget about it. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at OZNetwork.net.